All right, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be looking at verses 25 through 34 to start. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for the body, what ye shall put on. It's not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold, the fowls are there, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things." Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now the Bible is not saying here we ought not to give any consideration to what kind of clothes we put on, or what kind of food we eat. What he's saying is, we ought not to be worried or anxious about those things. We need to focus on pleasing the Lord, obeying His will, and those things will take care of themselves. That's the idea. So tonight we're going to be looking at financial unity in the home. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you, Father, that we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto we do well to take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place till the day dawn and day star rise in our hearts. We thank you that we have uh, in the word of God everything that pertains to life and godliness and uh, we have instruction concerning the home, marriage and all these things and I pray that you'd help us to uh, search the scriptures and to... Uh, um, for direction, for wisdom, for life, for in the scriptures there is multitude of counselors. In multitude of counselors there is safety. So we pray tonight as we look into the word of God concerning the subject of finances, I pray that you give us wisdom and guidance, and may we allow the Spirit of God to teach us and instruct us. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your money can buy a bed, but not rest. It can buy food, but not satisfaction. It can buy luxury, but not contentment. can buy stocks, but not security. can buy a house, but not a home. You know, money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy health. And money cannot buy what God offers as a free gift. Of course, that is the gift of salvation. We think about the home and financial matters... Uh, finances, you know, a marriage is a commitment, it's a sharing of persons, 
uh, until death do part you. There's some general statements, I'll give you some general statements regarding money. Uh, to a child of God, whether one has much or little is not as important as his attitude toward money. We talked about this last, I guess it was uh, Thursday night. Uh, Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than, than great treasure and trouble therewith. So it's not as much as, not as important to have money as is what your, as your attitude toward money. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having money. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Uh, money is a wonderful servant. A wonderful servant, but a terrible master. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they err from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 8.18 for just a moment. This, this thought just popped in my mind. Sometimes things happen like that. Sometimes they're good thoughts and other times they're nightmares. But, but Deuteronomy 8.18, so we're thinking about money being a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. This chapter is about Israel going in the land and prospering. That was God's will. It was God's will for them to prosper. And he says in verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Now notice this next phrase. That he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. In other words, if God's going to establish his covenant with Israel and make them a nation of nations, a witness to the world of the glory of God, they're going to have to prosper. I want you to think about that for a minute. They're going to have to prosper. Your money is necessary to live in this world. It's a necessity. And money is a very useful tool. When did Israel become the glory of the nations? Under Solomon's reign. Okay, when were they the wealthiest? Under Solomon's reign. You know, I never thought about that before, but but you know, but again, notice what he says. I, that is, the Lord thy God is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. You know, if a church is to really prosper, you know what one thing is required? It's money. It takes money. It takes money to send missionaries to mission field. It takes money to, to send men out, or to train men to send them out to start other churches. So I was talking to somebody this week. And I said, you know, our philosophy is a little different in a lot of churches. I said, we're not, we're not interested in building an empire. We're not interested in building, building a big church, having lots of programs. What we're interested in is training men that we can send out to start other churches. And if we had the means, we would send some families along with them. See, you, but you know what all that takes? Money. It takes money. Money is a wonderful servant, but it would be a terrible master. 
Uh, and learning to live with what you have is more important than what you have. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Again, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. So some biblical principles about principles concerning finances. Number one, we need to understand that everything that we possess belongs to God. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You belong to God. You are a creation of God. God made you for His glory. And everything that we have, God made it. And God made it for us to enjoy for His glory. First Chronicles chapter 29, First Chronicles 29, and verses 11 through 14, David, just before he, he died, he, he uh, gives a testimony here. He says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. In thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. See, David understood that everything that he was able to accumulate, and he accumulated a lot of things in preparation for the building of the temple, though he was not given permission to build it. He said, the Lord said, Solomon, your son, will build the temple. But he gathered a lot of materials, gold and silver and precious stones and all sorts of things, and, 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 and iron and so on, and he said, he said he realized that all this comes of thee. What did Job say? The Lord giveth? The Lord can take it away, too. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, we need to understand that everything we possess belongs to God. It is God's. We are stewards. We are stewards. God is the one who gives us the ability to make money. You know, Deuteronomy 8.18 there, he says, it's, it's he that giveth thee power to get wealth. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast thou that thou dost not receive? Now if thou dost receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? You know, it's God that gives us power and the ability to get wealth. He gives us health so that we can work. You know, God wants us to work and earn. Not only to make a living, but to give. There's two reasons why we have money. That is, one to live, and the other is to give. Um, but God, and we see here Matthew, in Matthew 6, the point is that God is making here, God must be first in our finances. Verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all his righteous, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Lord, you give to God first fruits, the first of your, of your increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. See, God needs to be 
first in our finances. Although we are accountable to God for all of our possessions. You know, if, if everything in the earth, if it is the Lord's, uh, we are accountable for how we use them. We are stewards of even that which we get to use. So we ought not waste it. We ought to use it wisely. Um, you know, investing is a wise use of one's money. If you have money to invest. And of course, we're not to be preoccupied with our possessions. Of course, First Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, we're not to be covetous. But we are to be ambitious. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So if God has given you something to do, a, a job, a business to run, or whatever, He says, do it with thy might. Notice, do it to the best of your ability. God wants you to prosper in it. You know, again, Ephesians, I mentioned this this morning, and it was kind of a thing in passing, just this really wasn't the intent of this morning, but Ephesians 6 and verses 6 through 8, where it says, uh, verses 5 through 8, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as a service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. If you do good service to your employer, God's going to reward you for doing good service. God's going to reward for you for doing it with your might. Doing it to the best of your ability. Not only will your employer notice, but God will no- God notices that. In fact, he, the Bible warns us about being slothful or lazy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse, you know, this is, this is a, this is an indictment on, on many in the world today concerning the work ethic that you see. In, in many places, but Second Thessalonians chapter three verse six says, "We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. We behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did, and, and what's he talking about here, behaving disorderly? Well, he explains in verse eight." Neither do we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. See, God says, being lazy and slothful in your work is disorderly. In fact, it is grounds for church discipline. Your welfare is stealing from other people. It's stealing. It's not a redistribution of wealth. 
It's stealing from those who work and giving it to those who won't. That's what it is. And socialism won't do that. It'll make everybody a servant. That's the end game of socialism. If you don't believe it, look to socialist countries. And so we are. God wants us to be ambitious in our work. Whatever, we, whatever our hand finds to do, do with our might. Do with our might. But there are things that are more valuable than money. Your soul is more valuable than money. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what does a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You ever have somebody say to you, I'm just too busy to think about where I'm going to spend eternity? That neighbor one time said to me, I just don't take time to think about it. I said, well, you better. Because it's the difference between heaven and hell. There are, there are things more important than making money. Righteousness. Being righteous is, is more important than, or being right is more important than making money. Proverbs 16.8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Wisdom. Verse 16. Proverbs 16.16. 16, how much better it is to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding rather than chosen rather to be chosen than silver. You know, having an understanding and knowing the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And of course, treasure in heaven is more important than uh, wealth uh, or money. In Matthew chapter 6, in verses 19 through 20, 1, he says, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth doth, neither Neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So there are things more valuable than money. And so we understand the principles of finances from the Bible. Now, some problems with money concerning indebtedness or being in debt. Problems that can lead it. Or reasons or things that could lead to indebtedness. Number one, leaving God out. You leave God out of your finances, it could lead to problems. It could lead to problems. You know, we're not to leave God out of any part of our life. Uh... No, we need to we need to allow the Lord to direct and understand that we are stewards of what God has given us. We're not to leave God out of it. We're to honor the Lord with our substance, with the first fruits of all of our increase. Uh, it's also not discerning needs from wants. 
You know, something we need to learn to do is question our purchases. Do I need this? Do I need this? You know, there's an old saying. An older lady told me one time in Maine, and I would read it prior to that, and she said, this is what we always heard growing up. Of course, she remembered the Depression days. She said, you use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without. I say this, you know, if you have a vehicle or some machine, maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. It's maintenance. 90% of it is maintenance. You want to keep a car a long time? Maintenance. It's maintenance. Proverbs 12, 27 says this, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. So whatever he has, he makes the best use of it he can. That's a diligent man. He's not going to waste it. So the things that we have, we need, to, we need to take care of, make wise use of them. Otherwise, it can lead to going through things quickly and, and lead to debt. debt. Uh, falling for easy credit advertising. Proverbs fourteen fifteen says this, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. You know, they can make it sound like it's so easy. Just put it on the credit card. You know, you won't have payments for six months or at least 30 days. You know, I considered refinancing. We have some debt on the house yet, and our this is four years ago, I guess, we did that. So the interest rates have lowered since then. So I, so I contacted a lender. And they'd give me a lot better, a better rate. And my payments would be a little bit less. However, there is closing costs. And the closing costs would be a little bit more than what I'd save and what I have left on my loan, paying it just the way I am. So the bottom line is, there's no sense in it. It'd actually be a little bit more. If I got the lower interest rate, you know, uh, but he made it sound like, the guy made it sound like, you know, this would be a better deal. Well, I wrote down, I said, so what's the cost? What's the interest rate and what's the cost? And so I did a little figure, and after I got off the phone, and I told my wife, I said, he won't pay us to do it. Make it sound good. Easy credit, easy advertising. Poor planning or impulse an impulsive buying. Learn to make good investment investments by quality. Again, Proverbs fourteen fifteen. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Um, let's say you want to buy a weed eater. Okay, you can get down to Walmart tomorrow and you can buy a weed eater, a hyper tough. That's the name of it for seventy eight dollars. Or, you can go get a steal for 219 Do you know which one I'm going to buy? 
I've experienced a few of the Walmart brands. Now, I never bought one, but I know people that have. It would probably last me a year. Or maybe two. You know the steel I have? I've had for, what, ten years? Now, you tell me, which is the better buy? The one for $78 that I have to buy every year or every other year, or the $200 or $300 one that I might have for 10 years? See, just because it sounds cheap does not mean it's a good investment. It may cost you more. So, you, again, a prudent man, here's some other verses, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hide himself, but the simple pass on and punished. He don't think it through or really investigate. So, don't do impulsive buying. Make wise investments. Of course, avoid debt. Avoid debt if possible. Now, now, there are some who are very adamant about no debt whatsoever. You hear them on the radio, you know. Uh, and for many, that's, that's a good idea in our society because a lot of people can't control their spending. So the, no debt for them is a good idea. However, Christians should have the Spirit of God to govern our lives, and I don't think, I don't think that it's wrong to have any debt. This is how I see debt. A debt exists when your liabilities, what you owe, exceeds your assets. Now, I have a, a loan on my house. But what that house is worth is greater than my loan is. I really don't see myself as in debt. Because my assets are greater than my liabilities. And I am able to make those payments on those houses monthly. I never missed it. I've yet to miss a payment. So, you know, again, your assets are something of value. But, but if you have a problem governing your life and controlling your spending, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual problem. But the Bible does, of course, discourage debt. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, uh, let's see here, let me get the next page of verses. Proverbs 22 and verse... uh, Well, maybe I don't even have it printed out. Proverbs 22.7. Proverbs 22.7. The bar is servant of the lender. That's what it says. The bar is serving on the lender. So, so anyway, um, you know, be careful about debt. I would greatly discourage debt with credit cards. Use credit cards cautiously. Credit cards can be deceitful. You know, they offer delayed payments sometimes or no cash involved or instant availability. All these things are very attractive, but the bottom line is you still have to pay it. You still have to pay it. Look at Proverbs. Look at a couple of verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 14 and verse 20, or verse 15. <clears throat> Proverbs 14 and verse 15. It says, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. 
uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 3 also says, A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And the Bible says that two times. It also says that in Proverbs 27:12. So a prudent man foreseeth evil. He's not deceived by the delayed payment idea or the no cash involved or the instant availability. You know, he still understands that he's going to have to pay it. Still has to be paid for. I remember when we were in Maine, there was a lady who, she didn't have much income. <clears throat> she wasn't very good with her finances, we found out. She said that she was so excited she was able to get a new, it was a new chair, a new couch or something, and uh, she said she bought it at this place in, 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 in town there, and, and she only has to pay X number of dollars every month. Sounded really good. Well, we were kind of looking for a new couch, living room suit, so we thought we'd go in and see what we could find. So we went in, and sure enough, you can, you can you know, just pay so much a month, and it, and it didn't sound like a whole lot, but it's five years. Well, if you did a little figure, and you're going to find, you found out that you paid two or three times the price of that piece of furniture to get it if you put it on payments and she thought she got a good deal and if you'd have bought it right outright it was like a thousand dollars if you bought it through payments it ended up being like three thousand some dollars that's not a good deal delayed payments idea or making payments on things um Keep records of where your money goes. Budget. I told a young couple one time, they didn't take my advice. I said, I advise you, I'm not here anymore either, but I advise you to make a, a uh, spreadsheet and make categories and and record every transaction or every amount of money you spend. You know, it'll surprise you how much money goes to what. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how we can cut our grocery bill. You know, kick Daniel out maybe. He's the last one that's going. But, but uh, you know, but, you know, we got to eat. I still, you know, know, I look at it and I say, you know, where could we save money? Well, I guess we didn't have a phone bill or, you know, or start eliminating. No, see, you know where your money is going. Uh, Of course, remember to give God first, the tithe and the offering. Again, Proverbs, there's a promise there from Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Uh, Honor the Lord of thy substance with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The promise of God is, if you give God what is His, He will multiply what is left. He will multiply what is left. You know, Paul told those at Macedonia that God would supply their need. Why? Because they gave themselves willingly, and they gave of their own out of their poverty to the Lord, to the Lord's work.
Resist time payments for depreciating items. That goes back to stuff like furniture, even cars depreciate. Um, save money to buy these kind of things and not borrow. And you know, one of the things we need to learn to say when it comes to buying is say, no. 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 We have to develop a sales re resistance. Again, don't buy without considering what would the Lord have me to do. You know, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us and, and we need to be uh, understand that that God's reputation is online if we can't pay our bills. You know, churches are poor credit. That's kind of sad. Churches are poor credit. Also, use great caution in cosigning. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou be shorter, the idea is here of co-signing, for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. In other words, you better make sure that he has the money, he has the means, wherewithal to pay for what you're co-signing. Otherwise, you are going to be stuck with it. See, a co-sign means this. You're guaranteeing, here it says a friend, that this friend or acquaintance, you know, let's say a bank won't give him a loan unless you co-sign. Unless somebody else who has money will be make sure that if he if he defaults, you will take care of it. That's what it means. And notice here he says, "My son, if thou be surety for a friend, thou hast stricken thine hand with a stranger. Thou art snared with the words of my mouth. Thy mouth." Proverbs seventeen eighteen: A man void of understanding striketh hands and becomes surety surety in the presence of his friend. Proverbs twenty two twenty six: Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? In other words, if if you become surety for someone else and they don't pay it, they're going to come to you, and if you don't have the money, they're going to take your things to cover the costs. So be very careful about co-signing. Don't loan for non-essentials. Give to basic needs. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, I believe it was Dave Ramsey said, if you have family and they have needs, don't loan them. If you're going to help them, don't loan it. Give it to them. Because you loan it, 
you could end up being enemies. Give it to them. If you're going to help them, give it to them. Now, he recommends, if they're not living for the Lord, don't give it to them. Don't enable their sin. But if there is a genuine need, give it to them. Um, and then finally, if you have insufficient funds, discern God's reasons for it. There may be some reasons. It is possible that God will test your faith. But it's also possible the money was supplied but spent foolishly. You know, God does promise to supply our needs if we are obedient to Him. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, are we in obedience to the Lord, are we working to supply our needs? Working in obedience to the Lord to, for Him to supply our needs. Uh, is there sin in my life that I have not confessed? If there's a, a substantial decrease in funds, it may indicate I need to make a change. You know, it is, it is God's will for a man to provide for his house. It's God's will for you to work for your living. It's God's will for you to pay your own bills. And there it is, it is God has promised to provide if we are obedient to Him. And then finally, we need to learn the grace of giving. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 9. <clears throat> And we see several things here about giving. First of all, giving provokes others. Verses 1 through 5 says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that I, as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they in Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confidence, boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So this giving that he was talking about was provoking, it had provoked very many. It encourages others to work and to give. Uh, giving blesses the giver. Verses 6 through 11 he says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his purpose in his heart. And so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, Multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, being rich in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Notice it is 
It is he that has dispersed abroad, he that giveth to the poor, and his righteousness remaineth forever. God will do right by you if you are obedient to him. You don't outgive God. God will bless the giver. God will supply the needs of those that give. It's a matter of obedience. Uh, of course, giving meets the needs of others. For the Verse 12, For the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. It supplies the needs of others. There was a real need here of the saints at Jerusalem, and so their giving supplied the needs of others and caused thanksgiving to God. You're giving here to missions and so on, it causes thanksgivings to God in other places. I don't know if you remember, but some years ago, and the bishop was here, and he showed his presentation. And one of the pastors he trained gave a little testimony on that presentation. And what the testimony was about is he was thanking the churches in America for giving so that Brother Bishop could come to Mexico and give them the gospel. See, your giving causes thanksgiving to God in Mexico, in Taiwan, in Russia, in Greenland, in Portugal, in New England, you know, around the world. You're giving. Giving glorifies God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, verse 13, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. See, giving is submitting ourselves to the command that God has given us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And how can we go into all the world and preach the gospel without supporting or giving money so that others can go in our place? We can't all go. God doesn't want us to go. What God wants of us most of us is to stay here, turn a living, to make money so that we can give, so that the gospel can go to other parts of the world. It glorifies God. For your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. See, giving glorifies God. And giving unites God's people. Verse 14 and 15. By their prayer for you, which long after you for exceeding grace of God in you. You see, that brother in Mexico, whom I've never met, I've only seen his face on that video and heard his testimony. He is thanking God for us. He, he, we are really, you know, we are working together with Him in getting the gospel out through our finances. We're really yoked together, as we heard this, we talked about this morning. We are work yoked together with God and Him in giving the gospel to people in Mexico. You know, giving demonstrates good stewardship with the things that God has given us. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, 
even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, money, finances. To get the gospel around the world, we need finances. We need money. And we can use, money is a servant to us that we can use to get the gospel not only here but in places of the world that we will never have the opportunity to go to. So when you're out there working in your employment think about it. You're doing this for the glory of God. To earn a living to supply your needs and so that you can give so to the gospel. You can partner together with others and get the gospel to Taiwan, to Russia, to Portugal, to, to uh, uh, Greenland, to New England, to Mexico. Money is a wonderful tool that we can use for His glory. It can be used just like it was used for Israel. He said, I'm going to make you prosper to establish my covenant. You know, God prosper us so that we can see the gospel established in Taiwan, in Greenland, in Mexico. So let's use the tools the things that God has given us, our money, in a way that pleases Him and glorifies Him and causes thanksgiving unto our God.